Hello and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to d1softball.com for the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use Podcast 20, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 20 for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's new episode that features Georgia Tech head coach Eileen Morales. Now let's get started. I'm joined by my co-host, Rhiannon Podkey. Re, how are you doing this week? I am doing great, man. The countdown is like 15 days till first pitch. So it's crunch time and I'm getting excited seeing all these, you know, all the increase on social media, all these great stories, rankings rolling out. It's just a, it's kind of like building up to Christmas for us here at uh, D1 Softball. That's right. And we've got all of your previews um, up on the site over on d1softball.com. We'll start with the ACC preview. Uh, we 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 chatted about the SEC preview last week, but I'll start with this ACC preview. Re, uh, Florida State looks to stay on top uh, in the ACC, but we've got some challengers uh, in Clemson and Duke and then actually Georgia Tech, who we'll talk to Eileen Morales later on in the show. But what do you got on the ACT? Yeah, we, I mean, we've obviously discussed it before how much deeper that conference has got, you know, since we've had Duke join and Clemson join and just the great um, programs that they've built respectively in a short amount of time and really challenged Florida State. It used to be basically Florida State and who else it might be close for, you know, fighting for second and third. But even Virginia, I mean, they improved greatly last year. So it's going to be fun to see. I, I do expect Florida State. Um, they obviously will be motivated by their earlier than expected postseason exit last year, kind of losing at home in NCAA play. And so I expect them to get right back as the defending champions and be up there. But uh, Clemson's bringing back a really experienced veteran group. They only have one, one player added, one freshman, because of the COVID year and some of those scholarships and everything. So definitely a very experienced squad. Obviously, everyone knows about Valerie Cagle. Um, Duke, you know, they lost a lot of talent, but I think I, I really believe Mercy Young feels like this is one of her strongest recruiting classes ever. They've got a lot of talent in that program. Jayla, Jayla Wright in the circle. Um, she's very high on her kind. Of, I know Peyton St. George took a lot of the oxygen last year with her, but I think she believes she's capable of being that co I mean, that clear cut number one ace this year. And as you said, I mean, I'm uh, Georgia tech is one of those sleeper teams to me. I really like them. They're very veteran savvy. They've got Emma Koff behind the plate, who's tremendous numbers. They've got Chandler Dennis in the circle. They've got two aces in the circle, to be honest, that really can put down anyone. And um, they've got their defensive play, Gencilio at shortstop is tremendous shortstop. So that's one that I would watch because I'm really, I think they can sneak up there and really you know, beat some teams and, and have a huge impact because I, I really like their talent. Um, and I like just, like I said, they've got, the pieces that you want in a program like to have coming back to build around, they have, and they're veteran pieces. So that's the ACC. Head on over to the site. We've got power rankings up. So Catherine Sandercock uh, from Florida State, Valerie Cagle, Clemson, Emma Lemley, Virginia Tech, Karina Gaskins out of Notre Dame, and Emma Ritter out of Virginia Tech on our power rankings re uh, with the report on the ACC. Then we'll head on over to the Pac-12, little Pac-12 preview it looks like it's going to be the Bruins at the top of the pack, but another team to keep an eye on uh, is Stanford. I think Jessica Allister has done an incredible job there uh, with the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, 
almost making the Women's College World Series a, a season ago, beating Alabama, um, re- returning uh, Alana Vodder and Reagan Krause and uh, adding a freshman in uh, Nigeri Kennedy a- a- as well. So keeping an eye on the Cardinal and then the Oregon Ducks. I mean, I don't know that you can count them out and I think they're just starting to get into their own there with Melissa Lombardi uh, at the helm, Sam uh, Martyr, uh, the the hitting coach there with the Ducks. Ree, what do you got on the pack? Yeah, I'm very intrigued by the pack this year. I there's a, like six, like you know, half the teams, more than half. I have no idea. Like Oregon State obviously made the World Series last year, but you lose someone like Mariah Mizan, so that's you know, that's a that's a big loss. She was more than just a pitcher. I mean, she was kind of the heart and soul of that team on both sides and. They granted, they do have some experience coming back. They have Sarah Hendon Jesus. That I'm hoping that's how you say it. I don't know if I ever like butcher her name. Sorry if I do, Sarah, but uh, back in the circle. And, um, you know, Laura Berg's a talented coach and knows her stuff, but there's just a lot of changeover. Even Arizona made the World Series, but how are they going to be? Like, that was such a late run. Can they continue that? Did they find another pitcher in the circle? Um, there's just so many question marks. Arizona State without obviously Trisha Ford now. They got a new cast coming in, had a lot of transfers out. So UCLA is pretty much the UCLA and Stanford are kind of the only certainties we kind of know in, in terms of we've seen them all basically together. They have a stable coaching staff in place. So it leads me to believe that, you know, those two will be leading the charge there. But I honestly, like you could tell me five different ways the rest of it would play out. And I'd probably, you know, be apt to believe you because it's just so many unknowns and so many different pieces coming in right now in the rest of the programs. So that's the Pac-12 preview. Head on over to d1softball.com again. We've got preseason accolades. Uh, keep an eye on Bailey Klinger. She is the top of the power ranking starting the season, fifth year at Washington, followed by Megan Ferramo Foramo, and Yanni Acuna, Arizona State. So again, head on over to the site, d1softball.com, to check out all the Pac-12 news. Then we'll head to the Big Ten and Rhea, I want to start with the story that you did on Ohio State's uh, Sam Hackenbrack and how she overcame childhood cancer and um, just a story that had me in tears. And I, I, and I think uh, the rest of the softball community and, and wider sporting community. Yeah, it was, those are one of those stories that you, you know, you enjoy writing because obviously there was a good outcome, but uh, really just, I, I, you know, I'd heard about it a lot, a long time before this and always one that I kind of wanted to write and her being injured last year kind of propelled it to the fact that she played through like a, you know, a torn rotator cuff and was still hacking the heck out of the ball appropriate last name, but uh, delve deeper into it by talking to her family, just kind of how intense that cancer battle was 50, 50 chance to live at 18 months. They were living in Texas at the time. And um, you know, that's, that's scary to hear for any parent and how she, you know, she had germ cell cancer and just, you know, her mom said she was the angriest child at that time because she just couldn't understand anything, which is kind of, if you know, Sam, it's kind of that fighting spirit, like was showing that determination, um, but did obviously overcome it. Still has some really bad lingering side effects. I mean, like Raynoid's disease, which she's a catcher and like her, like sometimes her fingers and toes just go completely black and she can't feel them. And she still plays like she, like, you know, her head coach Kelly was telling me like she went to the urgent care and like 20 minutes later, she showed up the field and was like, put me in the lineup coach. Like, she's like, are you sure you just were at urgent care? She's like, I'm good. And like, literally was so sick that she said, I just need to hit a home run so I can get back to the bathroom to throw up. Um, so she did, she hit a home run, ran around the bases really quick and got back in the dugout and kind of, you know, cause she was still very sick. So really just a compelling story and kind of how she's kind of taken on, like, you know, 
she has, she's going to play two more years. She's a senior this year. She's going to take another year after this for a fifth year, but um, really a story of resiliency and just kind of the, you know, what you kind of want to see out of a, a player that was kind of overlooked a little bit as she entered college and has really made a name for herself in a lot of ways. And um, definitely, uh, definitely glad to see that she was able to overcome all those circumstances early in life and, and a great family too. It was really, really um, fun to get to know the family a little bit better through this process as well. Yeah, so head on over to the site and check out that story uh, on Sam Hackenbrack. And we'll stay with the Big Ten. We have the Big Ten preview up on the site with Northwestern leading the way. Danielle Williams returns in the circle uh, for the Wildcats. She was 31-6 and six, uh, just a season ago with a 2.09 ERA leading uh, the Wildcats back to the Women's College World Series um, for the first time since 2007. And Kate Drohan, just talking about her squad and they return almost everybody other than Rachel Lewis. Now filling Rachel Lewis's shoes, uh, the Big Ten Player of the Year is going to be tough, but um, just a core group uh, of athletes that have been together for a while and they're going to be the team to beat. And then you got the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, Yvette Healy there, uh, has Maddie Schwartz, the fifth year senior and Kayla Conway is back, and I know Rhea and I, we talk about Kayla all the time, but she is a difference maker, and so keep an eye on the Wisconsin Badgers and then Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska will have uh, a, a really good offense in, in the Andrews sisters and then returns Courtney Wallace uh, also with uh, former Southern Illinois ace Sarah Harness. So that's the Big Ten. The rest of it is up on the site. Again, we've got power rankings uh, with obviously Danielle Williams on that number one spot, followed by Kayla Conlin out in Wisconsin, Natalie Denhartok in Minnesota, Billy Andrews at Nebraska, and then Corbassett out of Indiana in the five spot. But so head on over the site, check out the Big Ten preview and uh, let us know what you think. Re, uh, any other news for the week? Yeah, I think maybe if anyone was following yesterday, we had the news that um, Wichita State, the Shockers are trying to get a huge softball complex built. They're, you know, they want to get an indoor facility with batting cages and a field and also kind of a new training facility in terms of just coaches offices and just a softball specific place uh, for all that, um, as well as some stadium upgrades. So it's going to be a pretty hefty price tag. So they put out um, I think if some people saw it, they might've thought it was a done deal. And it's, it's, you know, that's their goal is to get that bill, but they need to still raise the money. So that was one reason they kind of released these renderings is to encourage people. They have kind of an initial seed funding. That was a donation from someone that two people that have helped to kind of get it kickstarted, but they're hoping to go in phases. So um, people say invest in women's sports. They're putting that, that test out there to some of their fans and some of the locals around there that, if you really say this out loud, don't just use the hashtags. Actually, you can actually contribute. Um, but it's great to see a non-Power 5, quote unquote. You know, I know in softball, we have some of those that, you know, always kind of don't really fit into that nice boundary of you can only be, you know, you can still be a power program and not be in those Power 5 conferences. Um, but it's great to see some that the administration is at least attempting to go out and to try to make that a reality. If they even fall short it's still going to be amazing for that school that size you know to have a complex like that um but really really it, it's really exciting to see that them they've done that with nil too with that program they've really made softball a priority there at wichita state um and now they're asking the fans to kind of invest just as much as they kind of have, have been trying to do 
so I hope that does come to fruition. I hope in a few years we can see that whole like being built as it is. I'm sure prices will go up by then because construction prices always rise with these facilities as we've learned. Um, but the fact that they're really starting this now and trying to get people invested at a deeper level and benefit the players and what Christie's built there um, is really cool to see. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, Wichita State is trying to now fundraise for this brand new facility that will, you know, for like I said, for a non-Power 5 school, it's going to be one of the best in the country, if not the best. Yeah, and it is right. We see those beautiful renderings and photos on social media, and hopefully that'll spark, like you said, some um, investors that who say they want to invest in women's sports, but um, hopefully put their money where their mouth is. I mean, and honestly, do. you know, even just a little amount, if you're just a person that's, you know, it all adds up. We see these GoFundMes go crazy with like 20, 25 bucks. So I think people get intimidated if you're a softball fan and you follow a program, like just donate what you have, what you can. It doesn't have to be millions of dollars. Like every little bit counts. And for a sport like softball, uh, it can start adding up quickly. If you have a fan base that really, you know, as much as you can do, if you want to support softball, just uh, don't think of it in too big of, you know, you can like, like I said, as little as 15 to $20 can make a huge difference. It doesn't seem like it can, but it can. Absolutely. So that's it for the week. Now we're going to head into our interview with Georgia Tech head coach Eileen Morales. Like you said, Ree, we've got our eye on the Yellow Jackets and a team to watch this year and um, enjoy the interview. And here she is, Georgia Tech head coach Eileen Morales. Karen Henry here back live, the D1 Softball podcast, joined by Eileen Morales from Georgia Tech. Head coach at Georgia Tech, Eileen, thank you so much uh, for joining us this week. Hey, Tara, thanks for having us. Uh, excited kind of to talk about the program and uh, excited, um, you know, for the schedule we have coming up. So anytime we can get on here and talk softball and talk about Georgia Tech uh, is a good day. So appreciate you guys. Appreciate the time. And I want to start there with Georgia Tech. I know um, I kind of want to bring it back, actually, to, to Georgia uh, growing up and graduating from Columbus out of Columbus, uh, Georgia, out of high school, and then as a player mm -hmm. heading into Georgia Tech, what was that like for you? And uh, how did you even start softball? Like, where where did that whole um, playing career begin? And were you just a softball player or multiple? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I actually, um, I have a kind of unique story in that um, my dad was military growing up. So, uh, you know, I, I actually was born in Kansas, on a, uh, Fort Riley, Kansas, and he was stationed in Germany. And we were stationed in uh, Fort Lewis, which is basically Seattle, Washington, all of those before I ever um, got to Georgia. Right. So I'm a Georgia transplant, but I've been here long enough that I claim the state. Uh, but but yeah, so my dad was always involved in sports and truthfully, like playing like organized sports, whether it was, you know, softball, um, basketball, soccer was kind of like how I was able to make quicker fr friend groups when you are that kid that's moving, you know, every three years. So. I remember there's pictures of me when I was younger um, on a military base playing in the dirt at my dad's softball games. And so we just were always around sport. Um, and my parents did an awesome job of like, you know, keeping me in in different sports and different activities. And then uh, we moved to Georgia. I even did karate, you know, like so like, you know, that was like the thing in the 90s, right, to like have your kids in karate. So, you know, now now that Cobra Kai has a little comeback, it's like it's making a little resurgence. I only got to yellow belt. So, you know, I don't think it was my, my forte. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when we moved to Columbus, uh, when my dad was stationed at Fort Benning, 
I was like eight or nine. It was like 1995. And uh, that was when the Olympics were actually going to be hosted in Atlanta. So I think it was a, a really cool um, time to be getting into youth softball and, and more competitive. And we were really fortunate because where we were, Columbus was where they actually played the, uh, the softball games uh, for the Olympics. They actually bust them back and forth, I believe. And so it was a really cool opportunity for me to see like, wow, women can do this. And there's like Olympics in our sport. Um, and, and I think that really kind of changed the trajectory too, of me really like falling in love with the sport, seeing women in that position. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that that really kind of made me fall in love with it. And I just, we, we played a lot of sports growing up or I played a lot of sports growing up, but softball was what I was kind of the best at. Uh, I didn't like soccer as much because we ran a lot. Um, <laughs> basketball, there was a lot of running. And, you know, we run in softball, but I actually didn't mind running in softball. So that's kind of also, I think, how I stuck to it. Uh, and then, you know, being a transplant, I wasn't, I didn't have any preconceived notions about, you know, who I should have root for in this state. So, like, when I was going and and uh, into high school and, and things like that, like, I just learned how, you know, how great the Georgia Tech degree was. And and when I got the opportunity to visit, I just fell in love. And so that's kind of how, you know, I ended up on this campus and, and I'm back here now again. And you mentioned the Olympics in Atlanta <laughs> and being able to to watch those um, games. Who was your mm -hmm. role model growing up? Because, um, you know, obviously you got to see it front and center uh, being. Oh, yeah. Olympics. Who was your role model? So so what was really unique, too, about um, kind of that time is like, there was also like pro softball, the league uh, playing out of um, that facility, like in 97 and other years after that. So like we had access to see like the best of the best softball athletes uh, at an early age. And so it was like super cool to just see that. Oh, my God, I could I could I could be that I could do that. Right. And um, I remember specifically like Team USA, like watching like Lovey Jung and, uh, you know, I mean, there was just so many amazing athletes at that time. But I remember her because, you know, me being. Uh, Puerto Rican, uh, you know, I also identified with, you know, someone who's, a, you know, a diff different ethnicity representing us in the sport. And so uh, she was, she was a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal middle. And so I uh, just, just loved watching her play. Um, there are some other really good ones too. And and the cool thing about the 96 Olympics was team Puerto Rico was also uh, in that, in that uh, Olympic uh, segment. So in that group of eight. So um, again, just a, a cool time to, to see people who, who, played a sport I loved and, and really ignite a passion for it. And obviously you played at Georgia Tech from 2005, 2008. Yeah. And we're on the Puerto Rican national team. Uh, mm -hmm. We've talked about international softball and its importance and um, then played for the Chicago Bandits Pro League mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So you've got a kind of a, a wealth of knowledge and experience. But what I love is most people probably don't know that you were the co-ACC freshman of the year uh, and still hold, I want to say it still hold uh, four records in batting categories, including 154 stolen bases, uh, <laughs> stolen bases. Yeah. Yeah. Being at Georgia Tech, like you've been, you've been in that world. What does it mean to you? Like, what does Georgia Tech softball mean to you? Oh, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's surreal that I get to come to work here every day because, you know, I was the person, I was the kid that I'm recruiting now, or I was the player that I'm coaching now. And, and so, uh, I mean, I have, I'm indebted a ton, uh, to, to this Institute, to the athletic department for just developing into, into the person I am today. But I, I think I take a tremendous amount of pride in like, uh, developing the women that come out of here because it does mean more than just softball. You know, a lot of them are going to go on to, uh, 
make a whole lot more money than I am and make probably a whole lot more impact on the world than, than I am. And, and it's, it's exciting to see like some of the career paths they go, whether it's engineering and, uh, you know, sciences, all those different tracks. And, um, so like, it's, it's super fulfilling. It's also like, there's also a lot of, uh, pressure I put on myself as well, because it is my alma mater. And it's like, you want to make everybody proud and you have this alumni base, um, that, you know, you have that relationship with, but, uh, absolutely, you know, um, is I'm humbled every day to get to do this because, uh, you know, I see, you know, who I was 15 years ago and I, I know where these players will be 15 years from now. Right. And having that connection through so many generations of, uh, softball players is, is really cool. And alumni, it's really cool. And let's talk a little bit about Georgia tech and this previous season with a 38 and 18 record and first regional appearances appearance in a decade. And, you know, pretty spectacular run and you know, taking over in 2018, going through COVID, having to, to rebuild this program, a program that had, you know, 16, 22, 19 wins prior to you getting there and to get to um, 38 wins and, and a regional appearance. What was that like and how what was that feeling like to, to lead that team just a season ago? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a lot of work, <laughs> to be honest, right? Like, we'd like to, like, I think in our in our um, society, right, like, we so much, like, want that instant, like, gratification. And it's, like, sometimes we forget, like, it's it's a grind, right? And so, like, this has been a grind. And, you know, it wasn't for the faint of heart to take over this program. And anybody we recruited who came into this program in the last five years, like, they knew that it was going to be a grind, right? And And that, like, they believe the thing that I was most proud of for that that group last year is they believed in the vision. And I've said this over and over, they believe in the vision of what this could be before there's any numbers to back it up. Right. And they just freaking rolled up their sleeves and, and got to work and, you know, didn't matter what other people thought. Like, we're just going to go about our business. And, you know, would we we all want to see it happen faster? Like, duh. But like, you know, it's it's one of those things where you got to go through it and you've, you've got to develop and you have to build the team and the program the right way. And. Um, it was really fun last year just to see all those pieces kind of come to fruition. And last year was the first year where everybody on the roster was all our recruits, whether they're recruits or transfers. And um, that was just so fun to see. And, you know, I remember getting to that regional and practicing and even, you know, being in Gainesville and just like telling my infield group or telling the group, like, I just am, am honored to get to be on this field with you. Like, this is so cool to be able to step back on this field to all of us collectively take our team to a regional and uh, get to do this together because I, I knew all the stuff my my players, my my assistants, our whole staff, support staff put into it. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's cool to to see that kind of come to fruition because it doesn't always, right? You you know how much work you do, and it doesn't always uh, play out like that. And so, you had COVID in there, and it had been some 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 challenging years navigating through that. So um, it was just a lot of fun. You know, obviously, you want to every time you make it to regional, you want to make it farther. Uh, but it's just a lot of fun to um, to see that success. And throughout the year, like the team just continued to rise to every occasion. And you're no stranger to the postseason, obviously, as a player, uh, a student athlete, um, and then an assistant coach, uh, four ACC regular season championships, four ACC tournament titles and eight NCAA regional appearances. So you're no stranger to it. Um, in terms of your coaching philosophy and what you pulled from all that, how would you describe your coaching philosophy? Like if we were to pull one of your players in and say, Hey, can you describe coach coach? <laughs> what, what, what would they say? 
they'd probably say I'm pretty passionate. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy the people I'm around, but we also like expect and demand a lot. And I think that if you're playing at this level, you, you have to have that level of commitment, right? You, you want to be the best of the best. And so I think that, uh, for sure, like I'm going to, I'm going to get a little fiery, right. Uh, I'm going to have, bring some energy, but I, I, I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they know I care about them and, um, I'm gonna, we're going to take care of them as people. And I think that's, that's, uh, they'll run through a wall for you when they know that. And so, um, we love what we do. We get after it every day. Right. And it's not always going to be, you know, roses, right. We're going to have to, you know, hold you accountable and do some of those things as well to, to make a team be really successful. But, uh, but yeah, I think they would definitely say totally passionate. And looking into the 2023 season, you returned Blake Nelman, uh, Chandler Dennis, Emikoff, and then Jen Saleo, which I swear she was on our top plays literally every single week on defense. One of my, fa- I'm like, Hey, can we please pull the Georgia tech tapes? Because I know there's gotta be something there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. In terms of uh, what you returning, you said you returned 16 players. Um, mm-hmm. Um, those, that core, uh, what are you seeing out of your squad? Cause you know, we're just, we're getting pretty close to, to <laughs> season here. Uh, what it's like when they got back from break. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's always that transition when you get back, back from break, it's the holidays, you know, they, they probably enjoyed, uh, some of the holidays, which you want them to, right? Like be present and enjoy what you're doing in life. But, uh, you know, so we're, we were getting back into it the first week and kind of getting back up to speed, but, you know, you and I all know that, you know, it starts with this in the circle. And if our arms are throwing well, then that's going to keep us in any game. And, you know, Chandler and Blake have been uh, extremely successful for us. And, and uh, so, you know, I'm excited about how they're looking, you know, we return experience, which again, like there's no substitute for experience. Uh, That group, that infield group, for the most part, playing together uh, for multiple years, you know, Emma Calf and and Blake Nelman being on the same team for three plus years at this point, uh, that, that cohesion is huge. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. I think when you're scrimmaging, it's hard uh, at times because you're like, oh, the pitching looks great. And then you're like, oh, you know, and so you're always in this like, uh, like, what do you call it? Like a teeter totter of like, you leave and one part of the offense or one part of the game feels really awesome. And then the other part's like, what the hell? Right. And so you're trying to like navigate that. And I think that's what makes everyone better though. Right. If the pitchers, you know, like shut down the hitters one day. It's like the hitters are coming back, like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not happening. And so then you get the hitters like out there mashing and then the pitchers are like, you know, and just that back and forth, which is, you know, what the game's going to be. So excited about that. I think that uh, in about 10 days, they'll probably be tired of scrimmaging each other and ready to scrimmage somebody else. Right. Uh, but you know, that's, I think the only way to prep them is the more live and the, the more game-like scenarios, but yeah, Jen, I mean, talk about it all the time. And I think TJ named her the walking web gym or, or something like that. Um, but, um, you know, she's got great instincts, you know, I can't really take credit for that, you know, we'll develop some good, uh, game situations, but you know, she, she has amazing instincts on the field and that's just her as an athlete. You know, I can't, I can't claim that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's every week. <laughs> <laughs> like It's every week. It's, it's- I know you got a nominator for the gold glove next this year. I'm on it. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, any field. I know we have some field updates there. Uh, yeah. If you'd like to share some pretty special updates happening uh, on the field. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So last fall, or right back kind of at the end of our fall segment, right? Uh, probably before Halloween-ish, uh, we completely redid our uh, grass, scalped it. We 
did the dirt. So I think it was Tuckahoe um, Turf Farms uh, are, are the provider of the sods and our field crew, Chris May and GT Grounds crew just did a phenomenal job. It's literally, I think the same grass that maybe the, is on the Red Sox field. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's bluegrass and our baseball field, Russ Chandler stadium is, uh, I think the farthest South that they've done bluegrass on a college field. And so basically it'll look game ready year round. I don't know how many other softball fields as far South have bluegrass, but, um, we were just so excited. I mean, it, it's, we went through a, like a cold snap. It was like nine degrees around Christmas and and this grass out here is, is, is greener than you would think. So uh, just excited for that to look game ready all year round and huge investment from our department in, in that project. And just, again, she needed, surely needed a, a little bit of a upgrade, a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if we'd call it a little bit of collagen and, and some uh, different, uh, you know, uplift, whatever we would say uh, for her, but she's looking new, a little bit younger. And uh, we're all excited about it because, you know, each year the wear and tear um, on the field is a, uh, it just happens over time. So we needed that upgrade. So just excited about the investment. And then we uh, changed our bullpens, all turf in there just to clean some stuff up. So uh, really impressed, excited about the playing surface and how we'll, how we'll play this spring. I love that it's a little uh, collagen. Uh. <laughs> collagen or something, <laughs> I don't know, you know. I love it. So I want to talk a little bit about your staff, uh, Reese Maraconda, Marty McDaniel, and Allison Fiebre as well. Um, yeah. Pretty incredible staff that you've got there. Yeah. And just Absolutely. kind of on, on kind of what they, they mean to you and, and, and how that's been uh, heading into season. Yeah. You know, um, I'm really fortunate to work with probably a lot of people that are way smarter than me. And so, you know, they make me look smart. Uh, so, you know, Marty has been phenomenal. You know, he's had an amazing career with uh, working with some of the best pitchers in the world. Um, and so he's uh, done a great job with our pitching staff and, you know, manages them well, just has them ready to go, which, you know, is a huge part of it. We know like that's the biggest part of the game. And, um, you know, after last year, his second year, I think that um, really kind of settled in and, and is um, again, just, just built a great relationship with, with our staff. And so excited for what he brings to the table. He actually works with our slappers as well. And, and he does, he, Marty's a jack of all trades. He, you know, he can help you in any aspect. So, um, but just excited and, and have been so excited about having him on our staff the last two years. You know, Reese is, been with me. I've known Reese since we were in college and, and played against each other in college and then played together on the Puerto Rican team for one summer. But uh, just a phenomenal um, offensive mind, uh, develops our offensive approach, um, is just a student of the game, is always like, you know, I mean, she will talk to anybody and everybody and she'll learn from anyone. And I love that about her. She's just constantly like growing and um, finding new ways to make our hitters be the best they can and, and develop and to develop a really good uh, offensive approach. She's just phenomenal and, and just, you know, again, really fortunate to have her. And Allison joined us this year. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes a volunteer gets all du duties as assigned. Uh, and so she, uh, she's got her hands in a lot of things, but she's been a huge asset um, from the hitting standpoint and, you know, was down in, with Canada. I think they won silver. I think it was silver this past um, fall at Pan Am's um, down there. Uh, I believe I, Again, off the top of my head, I, I don't have my notes, but she's been a great addition. She's helping with, with me with the infield, uh, with Reese all the time with the hitters and, and uh, good energy. And so, you know, another local product, you know, she's from Stars Mill High School, so not far down the road. And, you know, just brings, uh, I mean, she's an elite level hitter. One of the, you know, she swings the ball back. I mean, freaking ball explodes off of there. So, you know, to have people with that, um, caliber of experience and success is huge to have on your staff because again the players see that and they can learn and, and grow from each other 
Uh, I love that. I, I want to end with a few couple easy ones. Uh, all right. All right. Here we go. Yeah, easy ones. Uh, what do you, what's your favorite restaurant on the road with the team? What is the go-to restaurant that you, uh, you all eat at, or is it mostly catered in when you're on the road? Um, it depends. So like we'll cater, we'll cater in like post game. And I mean, I always love it truthfully anywhere that'll give us a steak and a, and a salmon option. Uh, then I'm going to be happy with it. Uh, you know, Reese is probably the better foodie of the group. As long as I get, you know, some type of protein and a, and a veggie, I'm going to be happy. Um, Outback's always a good option, but I mean, we don't, again, a lot of times post game, we'll, we'll eat at the hotel and bring something in. Um, now when we have road wins, we do gas station snacks. And so they go raid the gas station, but if we can get a Bucky's money. So Bucky's there's my, my uh, trying to get my Bucky's and IL deal going here right now. <laughs> I love that Bucky's. I didn't know about Bucky's, but now I know about Bucky's. what I know. I know it's a trap. Have you been to a Bucky's? Yeah. Have you been to it? Yeah. It's literally like the nicest travel style you've ever experienced in your life. First time I went to a Bucky's, there was like high school kids in the bathroom. And I was like, are you waiting in line? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, you're just, they were just hanging out. And I was like, what, what gas station have you ever been to in your life that people choose to hang out in the bathroom? And it was just like, cause it's so clean and nice there. So Bucky's get the lemon pepper jerky on um, plenty of beverage options. So that's, that's, that would be my go-to for a gas station road wind. Yeah, well, you got to get you an NIL deal for that. <laughs> Somebody. Start, Hopefully. Now. Hopefully. You can start promoting it. Yeah. Uh, favorite streaming show or favorite show? Uh, do you even have time to watch any streaming shows? And if you do, what is your favorite one? Ooh, man, we could. I do. I um, Not right now as much, but like I'll, I'll probably, we'll, we'll probably spend a couple, an hour before bed, maybe watching watching a show every now and then. Um, I'm trying to think what ones I liked the most recently. I like some type of like, you know, things where you got to think, right? Like, so you got to guess what the answer was. I watched Kaleidoscope recently. I thought that was pretty cool on Netflix. Um, and then I hadn't been in on the Yellowstone vibe, but I, I uh, caught up on Yellowstone over the break. Not a big, not a fan of the most recent, um, season though. I think some of the other seasons were a little bit better. So um, never thought I would like Yellowstone. Didn't think I'd be into the cowboy uh, stuff living in Atlanta in the city, but I've actually I've actually enjoyed it. And there was another one I really like, uh, In the Dark, um, which is uh, blind. I think the, the main actress is blind and uh, she gets herself in a lot of trouble, but it's a pretty good little, pretty good little one on there too. Yeah, I, I, I just finished Yellowstone that new season or the, the last yeah. season. And it wasn't- uh, yeah. Well, I guess there's I know a it's like to it. Yeah, there's a break, but I'm like mm, I'm not I'm not really not really feeling it right now. <laughs> um all right, last <laughs> question. Anything people don't know like the interesting that people wouldn't know about you or that um that is interesting that maybe a hobby or So I love so like I do so I live in a townhome, right? But like uh so I like to I like to plant like little I'm a, I'm a, I used to have a bunch of tomato plants. They're dead right now because it was cold. But um, a little bit of a green thumb if I can. But they got to be in pots right now because you can't plant in the ground uh, in the townhome setup. But also 
if you do know me, um, you know that I'm a, I love to grill. I have a green egg. I have a Traeger. So um, that's a, that's a big, uh, big thing for me as well. So I think those probably would be the two. In a perfect world, I got my little herbs. I can put my steak on the green egg and put the fresh herbs on there. I love to cook a good homemade uh, meal. So uh, yeah, that'd probably be me. Delicious. I'm headed out know. there. I think I might be yeah, able to come on. <laughs> some come on down. <laughs> yeah, do a little brisket or you know, oh my some goodness. ribs. Yeah, come on over. Um, it's a long I, trip, though, isn't it? It's a long trip for you. That's all right. You can make it. <laughs> well, Eileen, I thank you so, so much. Um, best of luck this season. I'm really thank excited. Thank you. Uh, I'm really excited for you and, and, and the squad and just a pleasure to watch last season as, as every season, but I'm excited to see uh, you all make a run in that ACC uh, conference. And, and yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. We're excited. I think we're, we're in a good spot and just ready to, you know, get out there and, and settle it on the ball field, you know? Uh, I love it. Well, thanks so much for joining us and hopefully we can have you back on during season uh, and have a good awesome. chat. Absolutely. would love to appreciate thanks. it, Tara. Yep. That's it for the D1 Softball Podcast. Re, any final thoughts? No, that was a great interview. I always love talking to Eileen. She's always just, uh, you know, I love that she shoots straight. She tells it like it is. She's really fun to speak with. And I think that was a great interview did. Uh, again, like I said, I'm kind of early high on Georgia Tech this year. I think they got a chance to, you know, to make a little bit of deeper of a run and, and to keep this postseason streak alive and everything. And uh, I'm excited to see how it plays out. They could be, you know, I think they got something special there and they got the pieces in place and uh, just excited overall. I mean, like reading all these previews, like it just gets you amped up. And the, the cool thing is like last year, I could have never predicted the teams that got to the World Series. And I'm just excited to see the path we're going to take to hopefully get there again. And it, it starts pretty soon. Yeah, we're I mean, we're less than two weeks away, I believe. Yeah, about 15. I mean, I see people like 18 days, 17 days, 16 days. It's like a count. Every player has a number. You see them on there. You know, if you don't have, if you have that number now, you're getting on a photo in social media and we're counting your jersey till the days we have the first pitch. I, I, yeah, every time I see a different jersey, it's, it's, we're two weeks away. We're two weeks away from um, softball season and can't wait. If you have any questions, let us know. You can email us at info at d1softball.com. Head on over to the site and like, subscribe, have a great week, and we'll see you just a week before season uh, next week here on the D1 Supple Podcast. Tara Henry for Ram and Podkey. Thanks for listening. Yeah.